You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Man, thank you guys for braving the bicycles today. I appreciate it. Um, man, it's, it's, a, it's a brutal traffic day. The streets are closed. Lots of streets closed. But man, I thank you sincerely. Thank you for, for being here because, um, you know, we say this all the time. We're not just a church. We're a family. Lots of people look upon churches as, as just businesses or, or, or whatever. But the thing is, is that businesses... Um, uh, they acquire, you know, they, and, and like they, they have people that do things for them. But here in family, uh, we want to see you grow. We want to see you deeply moved in, in, in your love for God and realize how deeply God loves you. And, uh, and so I just... I felt like sharing that this morning. That literally has nothing to do with what I'm about to say in my message, but I just felt like, man, in, 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 you know, in business, you climb the corporate ladder or whatever, but in family, you just grow because we love you, right? And so just want to say we love you. Thanks for being a part of the family. It's your, if it's your first time here, your family. Thank you. Whether, whether you never come back again or you come back next week, if you're here, Olive Garden stole our catchphrase. If you're here, you're family, so uh, when you're here, you're family, so um, anyways, man, uh, I know not, you know, like, uh, probably you guys don't have a lot of experience with failure. Um, I, I know, I know, just pretend with me, just like try to go there with me, because I, 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 I personally do, and uh, in, in culture... We live in the culture that we live in. There is just not much room right now in this present moment for failure. There just is not. If you make a mistake or do something dumb and it's caught on somebody's phone, I'm going to tell you that video is living forever, <laughs> right? And I like a good falling video, just like everybody else. You know, Ricardo probably sends me three a week. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that video is not going anywhere anytime soon if you stumble, right? And, 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 uh, there's just not a whole lot of room in our current culture for failure. And, and if you make a mistake, you know, uh, man, it just, if you, if you don't believe me, just search the hashtag on Instagram, epic fail. Okay, just search it. I did this morning. I'll tell you what it resulted in. Epic searching the hashtag epic fail on Instagram this morning resulted in 1.4 million posts. Million, right? Honestly, I mean, sincerely, this is this is this is real. Like I, I get worried about what we're teaching our kids about failure. Right, I get concerned because because cancel culture has become a huge part of our society. Right, when people mess up or make a big error, lots of times in our society, uh, our society becomes like the queen of spades in in Alice in Wonderland, like off with their heads. Right, right. And uh, I want to now. I want to be clear. I'm not talking about people. Uh, you know, 
people who've committed a crime being brought to justice or any kind of stuff like that. I'm talking about your average everyday person who may not even try to do something great because they are so afraid of being sacrificed on our society's altar of failure, right? But that's not the way of Jesus, thankfully. Thank you, Jesus. That is not your way. Thank you. Jesus has a way of lovingly restoring us from our failures and using them to bring things out of us that we never, ever dreamed possible, ever. When Jesus was beginning his ministry after his 40 days in the wilderness um, being tempted and, and after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus began to choose his disciples, right? And, and uh, rather than going around to the different synagogues and, and, and to uh, get the best and the brightest students of the law, as other rabbis would have done in that day, Jesus chose some people who had been disqualified by other Jewish teachers because they didn't think that they had what it took to be like them. These people were disqualified, so they went into the family business. And, but Jesus doesn't work like that. He sees something in these middle-class fishermen that other rabbis didn't see. So Jesus walks up to Simon and his brother Andrew, while they were fishing, which they did for a living, like I said, and, 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 and he says to them in Mark 1, 17 and 18, he says, he, he walks right up to these two fishermen, Simon and Andrew, and he says, come, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. We're going to spend our time today focusing on Simon's journey because I, I believe it holds a powerful truth for both you and me today. Uh, Simon was a heart-on-his-sleeve kind of guy, right? He uh, was always very eager to please Jesus, and his passion and self-confidence sometimes got, me, got him into trouble. Who can relate to that? Whose passion, whose passion gets them into trouble every once in a while, right? Like, they're, they're his, he was just a heart-on-his-sleeve kind of guy, this Simon. And Simon was actually the first disciple to recognize Jesus as the Messiah or Savior, as it means. And Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. You didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz, huh? So Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, and sometimes the Bible refers to him as Simon, sometimes the Bible refers to him as Simon Peter, sometimes the Bible refers to him as Peter. It's all the same dude, all right, just, just to be clear. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock, rock. And in Matthew 16, 13 through 19, it says this. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Jesus is talking about himself. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Uh, then he asked them, But who do you, who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will conquer it. And I will, wait, not, right, yeah, not. I'm dyslexic, people. Leave me alone. All the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Immediately after this, so Jesus has just said, Simon, your name is now Peter. You are the rock that I'm going to build my church on. And immediately after this, Jesus tells his disciples that he was about to eventually be killed and, and would raise from the dead, which we just celebrated, the Resurrection Sunday last, last week. And Peter begins to reprimand Jesus for saying these things and that heaven forbid Jesus should die. He loves Jesus so much that like he can't even fathom the words that, that he's speaking and, and, and the thought of Jesus dying. He's reprimanding his own rabbi. The student is reprimanding the teacher. And Jesus had to rebuke Peter He's just said, you're the rock I'm going to build my church on. But now Jesus has to rebuke P Peter because uh, he didn't understand what Jesus had come to do, even though he's very plainly telling him, right? And with this death and resurrection, with Jesus's death and resurrection, a grace greater than any grave would be made available to everyone everywhere. Peter didn't understand that at the time. But he will. Peter loved Jesus so much that he continued to struggle with the idea that Jesus would suffer and die. And on the way to the Mount of Olives where Jesus was going to have some quiet time and pray before everything began to unfold leading to the cross, he told his disciples, all of you will deny me. All of you will deny me. And Peter, again, passionate, hard on his sleeve, he responds in, in his typical Peter fashion. And, and in Matthew 26, 31, says this, On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight, tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter declared, this is Peter's response, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. 
So Jesus is, is telling the disciples, this is going to go down. I, I, I'm going to be crucified. I'm, I'm going to die, and I will be raised again, and all of you are going to scatter tonight. Like, not sometime in the distant future, like in a few hours, right? And within the same chapter of Matthew 26, Peter does exactly as Jesus describes. He completely denies even knowing Jesus three separate times within the same chapter. He's just said, I'll die before denying you, Jesus. Passionate, self-confident, I will die And within the same chapter, a few verses later, Jesus is is in with the religious leaders. And meanwhile, Peter is sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about. He said later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. Again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. Peter swore a curse on me if I am lying. I don't know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me three times. And he went away weeping bitterly. Now I want you to just like, Take a moment right here and and imagine that you're Peter. If you're shopping at Target on your phone right now, put the phone down and let's and let's just let's imagine that we're we are Peter. Put yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment. I mean, I said earlier, I know none of you are experienced with failure, um, but just pretend. There's not a more passionate follower of Jesus than Peter. From the moment Jesus asked him to drop his fishing net and follow him, Peter loved Jesus profoundly. This is Peter, the rock on which Jesus will build his church bitterly weeping at his own failure. I can resonate with that. Can anybody else resonate with that? I can resonate with Peter in this moment. His complete denial of the one he loves. Peter is prone to big feelings, and this moment is no different. Peter is feeling the depths of his failure and that his betrayal is irreversible. He feels not only disqualified from being a follower of Jesus, but Peter is also feeling disqualified from being a person who who Jesus could still love. 
But thankfully, through Jesus, there is that grace that is so much greater than the grave, so much greater than sorrow, so much greater than failure. And as we read the interaction between Peter and the resurrected Jesus, I want you to pay special attention to the details of the scene. We're going to John 21, verse 1. Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee, just like he said he would. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they, were, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, because he's fancy. <laughs> fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. The right-hand side of the boat was, was not the usual side that fishermen would throw their nets over. And, and so Jesus is telling them to do the opposite of what they would normally do, which he has a tendency to do in our lives. Throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. And they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple, Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord! It is the Lord! When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had, uh, had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooked over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. 
A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And, the others, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. All right, so that was a long passage of scripture, but so beautiful. I just couldn't cut any of it out. It, I just love every detail of that account. I love um, that Jesus uh, prepares breakfast for them. Like, have you ever noticed, like, throughout the Bible, the Lord has, has a way of dealing um, with sorrow and grief with food? Like, I just think, like, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, so I think a lot about Elijah and when he was in exhausted and in sorrow and, and he had bread and water brought to him by an angel multiple times. Like here Jesus is preparing breakfast for the people who just betrayed him. Like how beautiful is that, right? But when Jesus found Peter, he was fishing. After Jesus's crucifixion, Peter had kind of gone back to what his life was like before. He's like, the party's over. Jesus, Jesus died, and, and I guess I just go back to what I know, right? How many have been there? Just in deep despair. Even after Jesus appeared to his disciples, here he is fishing, and this is where Jesus finds him. Peter had denied even knowing Jesus three times after he had made a bold statement that he would never deny Jesus. The first time, it was with words. The second time, it was with an oath. And the third time, he, he even used the word curse, right? Peter denied Jesus three times after just hours before declaring he would never deny Jesus. Jesus asks him, asks him if Peter loves him three times, right? And this is an act of restoration from the three denials. Hey, aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? I don't know what you're talking about. Peter, do you love me? I know I saw you with Jesus and his followers. I swear by oath that I don't even know the man. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You are from Galilee. You must be with Jesus. A curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. 
Peter, do you love me? Here's what I want to point out today. There's all kinds of things that you can point out in this account. But here's what I felt the Lord put on my heart this week is that your failures do not disqualify you from being loved and used by God. Your, I'm going to say it again because I feel like there should have been some amens right there. Your failures do not disqualify you from being loved and used for the kingdom by God. Because it wasn't something that you did that qualified you to be a follower of Jesus in the first place. It wasn't good behavior. It wasn't good deeds that qualified you or qualified Peter. Jesus called Peter. He called Peter as he was out of his old life into a new one, just like he's calling you and me. Jesus died on the cross and was raised to new life to see that everyone had a way to accept his call. Follow me. Follow me. Drop your nets and follow me. After Peter's restoration with Jesus, he would go on to preach to thousands and thousands of people on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out shortly after Jesus was taken back up to heaven. The disciples were all in the upper room and a a mighty wind came and the room began to shake and the Holy Spirit began to pour out and the day of Pentecost had arrived and and, and in Acts 2, Peter says this, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced the hearts, and they said to him and other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Tell me God can't still use you despite your failures because God is a God of restoration That is why he sent his son. He wanted you to be able to be restored to him. So whatever you're struggling with, whatever your failure is, I heard this phrase this week that shook me on the inside. It said, nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's love. Corey Ten Boom. 
Jesus, P- Peter would, be, would follow Jesus the rest of his days and eventually be crucified by the Roman emperor Nero. But Peter requested that he would be crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to die in the same way Jesus died. You are not disqualified. You're not canceled from being used by God. God can do extraordinary things through you for the kingdom if you lay down your pride, lay down your shame, and repent of your sins before him, you will be forgiven and restored. And I'm living proof. So as the worship team comes, I just want to go into a moment of prayer. I want you to ask yourself right now, Is there anything that I am holding on to that is skewing my perspective of God's love for me? Is there anything between me and God? Is there pride or shame or failure? Father God, Lord, I thank you that I didn't do anything to earn your love. You just love me. And you just love my family here. Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for a sinner like me. Father, I thank you that no failure is beyond your redemption. restore us to yourself. Empower us with the Holy Spirit and use us in a mighty way to impact the kingdom. Come, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. feel like the Lord wants to 
Maybe there's not a restoration issue, but maybe there's a hesitation issue. Like the Lord is calling you to something and you're hesitant. You're hesitant to step into the calling. So I just want to pray a commissioning over you right now. Father, God of heaven who is always with us, who tells us not to fear, for you are with us. Father, those in the room who sense a calling upon their lives but are hesitant or have a restoration issue or have a pride issue or have, I, I don't know what kind of issue, Lord, but I pray, Lord, that today would be a day of commissioning into the calling. I pray that the Spirit of God would embolden you to step into the calling of God on your life. And that the kingdom of heaven would be impacted by your stepping into your calling. Because there are people that will never know the reality of the love of Jesus unless you tell them. Unless you show them. And so, Father, we commission these family members into the calling that you've called them to. Lord, have your way in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Holy Spirit, come. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redland. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.